You might know ADP as the biggest name in payroll, but that's just the beginning. Because ADP is transforming the way great work gets done. With HR, talent, time, benefits, and payroll. Informed by data and designed for people. That's ADP. Always designing for people. From the opinion pages of the Wall Street Journal, this is Potomac Watch. Attorney General Bill Barr faces Congress for the first time since the Mueller report's conclusions were released, and he defends his timing on releasing a redacted report. We'll talk about the fallout, plus Benjamin Netanyahu appears to win a second, excuse me, a record fifth term as Prime Minister of Israel. How much did Donald Trump, Donald Trump help him? And how will Netanyahu handle the coming Trump outline for peace? between Israel and Palestine. Welcome, I'm Paul Gigo with The Wall Street Journal, and here to talk about those subjects is Kim Strassel. How are you, Kim? I am well. How are you, Paul? I'm not so bad. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk first about uh, Bill Barr, his first appearance. It was actually supposed to be about a, the budget of the Justice Department uh, uh, before the uh, House and Senate Appropriations Committees. but. Of course, they zeroed in on the Mueller report and his handling of the conclusions for the Mueller report. And we did learn some news uh, and got some insight into what is uh, going behind the scenes and uh, going on behind the scenes at Justice. Uh, Kim, I guess one of the highlights is that uh, he said that the report should be released in uh, uh, not entirely, but in redacted form substantially next week. Yeah, he's sticking with his uh, promise that certain things are going to be redacted from the report. He listed about four different categories. Yet again, they range from grand jury material to classified information uh, to uh, other things that could hurt people's reputations, etc. He pointed out that he's going to color code each of these so that readers, whether they be the public or Congress, uh, will have a sense of why particular things are blacked out. It won't just be a document full of black marks. Um, I think that'll be helpful. Um, and yeah, the latest testimony on Wednesday was that he said he hopefully would get it out next week. Um, so this is sticking to his promise of mid-April. Um, Democrats, of course, weren't happy with any of this, with the news that some of it will be redacted or the fact that they're going to have to wait a little longer. And Gerald Nadler, the House Judiciary Committee, is saying he's going to subpoena the full report anyway and all the accompanying documents. So, um, um, I mean, I think that that we'll have to see just how much of the report is redacted. Um, and I think he's going to stick. Barr sounds like he's really going to fight to, to keep at least grand jury testimony out of the report. He said, I think, that uh, if Congress wants to um, make a case to the court to release the grand jury testimony, then go ahead, be his guest. He'd be happy to, you know, they can do that. Um, not that the court uh, is likely to entertain it, but he said his job as attorney general is not to release that. Now, there's a real tension here, at least in my view, between kind of the political question of just throwing everything out there on Barr's part. Get it all out. Take off the table the idea that 
uh, this is any kind of a cover-up, which is the case, the political case and the political charge the Democrats are trying to make. I'm more sympathetic to that strategy than I think you are, Kim. And you wrote in your column that you think that no matter what Barr does, they're still going to say he's covering up something. I, I agree. No, no, I know. And, and I am sympathetic with that point of view, too, Paul. I, and I get it. And, you know, normally I think we always advocate in favor of more transparency. But I think what matters here is that the traditional classifications that Barr is laying out as things that are not areas that Congress should get its hands on are longstanding ones. I mean, look, even when we have called for uh, more disclosure in terms of the FBI's Russia investigation and for the president to declassify documents. We have always maintained that there should be exceptions, obviously, for national security concerns, for classified information uh, that could blow sources or methods, etc. You know, it, it is not usual to release grand jury material. Material. Right, uh, right. It, those no, it's, it's, a, it's a hard and fast rule inside the Justice Department not to do so. Oh, it's a, it's a federal law, in fact, not to do so. There are very few exceptions of anyone who is ever allowed to see grand jury testimony, and they're almost entirely narrowed to government attorneys who are working on the case at hand. Congress is certainly not listed in there. But, I mean, I see your overall point. But, yes, as I wrote in my column, it doesn't matter what they give Congress. And I—, I it, I think the more they have here that is taken out of context that the rest of the public is not allowed to see, too, is the real danger. And that's what they want. They don't necessarily want full transparency in this whole report out there for everyone to see. They want to be given their own special access to parts of it, which they can then leak and try to recast a narrative. And um, uh, so uh, the other bit of news, which was interesting and something of a surprise to me, was that um, – Mueller, Robert Mueller, the special counsel, according to Barr, uh, turned down an opportunity to look at the letter that Barr sent to Congress with the um, principal conclusions of the report. I thought that Mueller would want to to see that, if only to make sure that he had uh, the, the conclusions had been fairly summarized. But it turns out that uh, Mueller was going to uh, let uh, Barr uh, and Rosenstein, Rod Rosenstein, the deputy, um, summer, who had been supervising the special counsel's investigation before Barr arrived at Justice, you're going to let them do the uh, do the summarizing and uh, and keep quiet, and maybe that uh, accounts for some of the the grumbling that has appeared in the press without any details that uh, somehow uh, Barr didn't include uh, everything that's in the report. Correct. And I think what's notable is the context in which Barr described all of that, uh, which he explained that the special counsel had declined to review the letter. But he also noted just how long the Justice Department had been working with the special counsel, not just in overseeing its probe, but had had an early peak, I think is the word he had used, or been told about Mueller's principal conclusion weeks and weeks ago. Barr was asked by one of the Democratic congressmen who who said, you know, it's incredulous to believe that you could have gone through a 400-page report in just a couple of days and come up with this 
summary and he said well it wasn't a couple of days we'd been working with the special counsel for a long time and we knew these conclusions but all of it presented paul certainly from the attorney general that these conclusions were perhaps just so straightforward and and indeed they did seem straightforward when we read that letter that Mueller perhaps didn't feel a need to do a review of what was going to be said all right we're talking about uh, bill barr and the Mueller report as well as bb netanyahu's apparent uh, victory in israel election victory in israel and israel and you're listening to potomac watch from the wall street journal you might know adp is the biggest name in payroll but that's just the beginning because adp is transforming the way great work gets done with hr talent time benefits and payroll informed by data and designed for people that's adp always designing for people From the opinion pages of the Wall Street Journal, this is Potomac Watch. Welcome back. I'm Paul Gigo with uh, Kim Strassel. We're talking about Bill Barr, uh, his appearance before uh, the House and the, the Senate um, uh, this week. And uh, an interesting bit of news he also made, Kim, regarding not the Mueller investigation, but the other investigation going on inside the Justice Department, and that is of the alleged spying that took place on the uh, Trump campaign and the uh, counterintelligence investigation that we know was begun in 2016 um, against uh, officials uh, of the uh, of the Trump campaign, and Barr said, "I think spying on the Trump campaign did occur." Uh, he said, "But the question is whether it was adequately predicated." And I am not suggesting that it wasn't adequately predicated. I am not suggesting those rules were violated, but I think it is important to look at that. And I am not talking about the FBI necessarily, but intelligence agencies more broadly. I think spying on a political campaign is a big deal. It's a big deal, end quote. Now, that is news, Kim, and that is suggests that he is taking seriously the um, uh, the 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 thing that we have called for, which is um, an investigation into whether the rules of the Justice Department were violated uh, in this counterintelligence um, uh, investigation. When did it start? Why did it start? Did they, in requesting wiretaps, uh, to rely too much? on a partisan document ginned up by the Clinton campaign, that is the Steele dossier. Um, this is the part that um, uh, uh, the other side of all of this record from 2016 that the public really does, in my view, need to know. And I love that he put it that way, Paul, because it is a big deal. <laughs> and I think this has been our frustration these past two years is that the leadership of the FBI, whether it be former FBI head Jim Comey or former deputy Andy McCabe have sought along with many in the press to suggest that this wasn't really a big deal and they are kind of beyond question here that they obviously had a a need to do this and nobody should even ask if it was appropriate and we have disagreed with that because it is a big deal um, and Barr both in front of the house on Tuesday and on Wednesday had versions of those comments saying that he is trying to get his arms around the beginning of this because look one of the the 
the obvious conclusions that might not be stated in the Mueller report, uh, well, if there's no collusion, then obviously uh, the FBI engaged in a lot of surveillance, et cetera, uh, for a crime that didn't happen. And we need to know how we got to that point. For a threat, um, for a threat that didn't exist. Correct. Um, and and again, and what they did was a big deal. So I think what Barr is hopefully trying to say there is that the bar should be very high to do something like that. And maybe people did not clear it. Um, but the other thing, a couple of other more pieces of news, not from his testimony, but he um, there is reports now out in the Wall Street Journal and other outlets saying that he's actually put together a team uh, that is going to be looking into this. I think that's new. Um, but also that former House Intelligence Chairman, uh, now ranking member Devin Nunes, is conveying over to him several criminal referrals. Um, and I'm told these are going to contain a lot of classified information that come out of the Republican investigation. Uh, they're claims that people engaged in lying to Congress, that they leaked classified information, that they manipulated intelligence. And Barra says that he is uh, waiting to get those. And if any of them contain a predicate for a DOJ investigation into behavior, he will go down that road. These are eight uh, referrals, as I understand it, and five of them are related to uh, telling falsehoods to, to Congress. Is that correct? And leaks. And, and, yeah, and five leaking. of them are falsehoods and leaks, yeah. Okay. Uh, That's significant as well. Of course, this is all related to the fact that there's an inspector general report, Justice Department inspector general uh, investigation uh, uh, into uh, uh, these issues and the handling of the the request for FISA court uh, wiretaps uh, on the uh, on uh, people in, uh, in the in the Trump campaign and whether those were justified and that report is expected actually within the coming weeks is, uh, is it not well Barr talked a little bit, giving a timeline more of May, uh, maybe even late May or early June. Um, But uh, I think that that's relevant because I I think it's probably unlikely that Barr would take action himself in any way or any shape or form until he sees what the IG report uh, says. So he's, he's essentially giving himself a couple of months to continue getting his arms around this and looking into it and then meld all that with whatever uh, the inspector general puts out. And then that would be uh, the inspector general report would be compared uh, with the the uh, Nunez referrals and, and and a par would have to hand it over to a U.S. attorney, I guess, or decide whether to proceed with uh, with any uh, prosecutions based on on that. All right. Um, interesting, uh, uh, interesting stuff. All let's talk about uh, the election in Israel, which uh, Americans follow closely. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, apparently winning a historic fifth term as prime minister. It's a very close election, but it looks like his uh, Likud party and his coalition partners will have enough uh, seats to be able to form uh, a new government uh, with most of the votes now, uh, almost 97 percent of the vote counted. Uh, there is, I suppose, a chance <clears throat> that uh, it could change, but it looks like he is will form a government. And this is a historic uh, uh, personal victory for Netanyahu since he's been under threat of indictment. Israelis nonetheless uh, uh, elected him in his coalition anyway. And uh, um, and I guess one question is uh, to what extent uh, Donald Trump with his many 
decisions like moving the embassy to Jerusalem, like uh, saying formally recognizing Israel's annexation of the Golan Heights, uh, and this week uh, recognizing the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps of Iran as a terrorist organization. How, to what extent those helped uh, uh, Netanyahu? I, I think the partnership overall was incredibly important to him and his reelection, given we've seen a broader shift in Israeli politics over the last 20 years, in particular, moving right, in particular, on these questions of, of national security. Um, and so to the extent that Netanyahu has been consistent on those all along, and he's been a driving force of that shift, and to the extent that Trump has uh, given him some aid in terms of U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem, the recognition of the Golan Heights, as you mentioned, the Revolutionary Guards, um, you know, it's it, it's it's helped him to make that case to the people. And, and it really is remarkable when you step back, Paul, uh, I think one of the other outcomes of this is that you look at the Labor Party results there. It was a crushing defeat, um, a total collapse. They barely passed the parliamentary hurdle to even be in the parliament. Um, but, you know, these this is the party that for many years demanded the two-state solution uh, only to have all the violence, uh, Hamas in Gaza and um, other issues and problems and the Palestinian rejection of various peace plans. And, and they've really fallen out of favor over the years. And that's that's really a Netanyahu victory more overall. Yeah, he, he has established himself, Netanyahu, as, uh, as the kind of great uh, protector of Israeli security. And um, the um, and even after this long, um, I mean, the argument of his opponent, um, gen former General uh, Benny Gantz, was not so much to disagree over Netanyahu's views on security um, or the two-state solution. It was uh, to make the case that Netanyahu has overstayed his welcome, that he is, uh, you know, t it's enough is enough. Let's get somebody else in. He has a bumptious personality. You have these accusations that may end up in an indictment of personal or, 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 or his wife's uh, taking money in return for, uh, uh, you know, to, uh, uh, essentially uh, uh, taking money in exchange for favors. Um, and um, uh, Netanyahu denies it, but nonetheless it's been hanging over the campaign. So it's a, it was the opposition ran against Netanyahu personally more than on the, on the policy. Now, the question going forward here in the coming weeks will be, when does the Trump administration release its outline of a peace proposal between Israel and the Palestinians? Trump is determined to try to see if he can do what nobody else has been able to do, which is to get some kind of a peace deal. Um, Jared Kushner, his son-in-law, has been the driving force behind this. Many visits to the Middle East, many visits to the Sunni Arab countries, uh, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, uh, to try to see what might be possible, Jordan. Um, and Netanyahu will have to navigate that if a, if a plan is released, Kim, because his coalition, uh, Victory Coalition, is a, is a, is a right-wing coalition. And uh, he made a last-minute uh, request, uh, promise to the voters to even to annex uh, Jewish settlements in the West Bank. Uh, which is the, the Palestinians say is occupied territory. Yeah, all of which is why I would not expect that plan necessarily to come imminently, only because the way this obviously works in, in Israel is the president 
Reuben Rivlin has to choose the next leader. Well, he chooses the leader who has the best chance of assembling a majority in the parliament. And at the moment, if all of Netanyahu's various blocks stick with him, uh, he he will likely be that leader and the, and the pick. Um, the problem, of course, is that we don't know what the Trump administration's plan is going to look like, but it's likely to include somewhere in there a land for peace deal. And as you mentioned, that's become much more complicated in light of Netanyahu's promise to annex Jewish settlements. Um, And it's also any land for peace deal is something that his coalition partners, many of which are a little bit more hardline on this, are likely to be unhappy with. And so I would wager that uh, there's going to be some time here while to give the prime minister a chance to assemble this coalition and cement himself at the top of it before a plan comes and we we embark on that complicated process. Yeah, my information is it might not come until maybe summer, uh, uh, late spring or uh, or, or early summer, uh, but we'll have to see how, how the coalition forming in Israel proceeds. Uh, all right, Kim Strassel, thanks. I appreciate you being here and thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll, we'll be back later in the week with another edition of Potomac Watch.